Hey, and welcome back to 52 Founders. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Jesse Horowitz, CEO and co-founder of Hubble Contacts. Hubble is the first brand of contact lenses sold directly to consumers through an e-commerce subscription-only model. And I'm particularly excited to have Jesse join me since we are old friends from middle school who recently reconnected at our 10-year high school reunion. I can't wait for you to hear his story, so let's just dive in. show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess to start, can you tell us a little bit about Hubble Contacts? Yeah, sure. Um, so Hubble Contacts is the first subscription model brand of contact lenses. Um, so very similar to um, if you're a subscriber to Dollar Shave Club or um, or Harry's, um, although most, of, most contact lens wearers are female. Um, First two weeks are free, and then it's a uh, monthly subscription from there. The goal is to make uh, daily disposable lenses uh, more affordable and more available. So how do you get, you know, how do you originally come up with the idea? Uh, It wasn't my idea at all. Um, It was my (laughs) co-founders, Ben Kogan. So Ben and I met at um, Bridgewater a few years ago. He went from Bridgewater to BCG to Harry's, the men's shaving site. Um, and while he was Harry, at Harry's, he um, realized that prices of contacts had just gone up a lot on him um, and started digging into why. And uh, we, I live across the street from him. We're both on 85th and uh, on, uh, on the Upper West Side. And then um, we started researching it together and trying to educate ourselves about the space and whether there was an opportunity to um, you know, make contacts more affordable. So what does the name represent? Um, so we took the name from the Hubble telescope. We looked at a lot of names. Um, naming is tricky in the vision space. A lot of um, a lot of names are trademarked already. So we brainstormed a list of a few hundred um, and then took it to the trademark database. Um, we really like Hubble, though. Um, Hubble from the telescope, um, you know, so vision related in that sense. Ben's girlfriend is actually an astrophysics PhD candidate at um, Johns oh, wow. Hopkins. And um, and most people don't know this, but when the Hubble telescope went up, it um, its vision was poor, and so it was corrected with a contact lens. Oh, that's so funny! I actually had no idea. Yeah, so we get all these snarky commenter, commenters on Facebook who say, "Why would you name your uh, t- Why would you name your company after a telescope that couldn't even see right?" But um, but it had a con- <laughs> but it had a contact lens, and then it was all good from there. And people always like that one. So yeah, I think that's really fitting. Um, so the the behind this podcast is really me trying to figure out more about founders and kind of what makes someone have the propensity to be a founder. Um, And it's so interesting for me to interview you, particularly because you were someone I've known the longest uh, out of all the founders I can think of. So we're going to dive into your early years, um, which is great because I I, I remember you. (laughs) Um, So tell me about what your earlier years are like. Like, What do your parents do for a living? What was it like growing up? Yeah, sure. I grew up in Armonk. Um, my mom's a lawyer. She um, she worked. She's been an in-house entertainment lawyer most of her career. She was at Lifetime TV and then DC Comics for a few years. Um, now she's actually um, you know helps uh, helps us at pro bono, which is much appreciated. Um, yeah, that's my, that's very nice. Uh, my dad um, 
my dad did different things in financial services. So he was an equities analyst for a while and then a risk manager on the hedge fund side for a few years. Okay, great. So do you have any siblings? One sister. Um, she's a third year at uh, Harvard Med. Uh, really underachieving family over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you, you know, what were early leadership roles that you had when you were younger? Um, well, <laughs> I know you're getting lunch with Harrison later today. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> we had the movie club in high school. So, uh, so me and one of my classmates, we were both um, big movie fans. Um, and so we, um, not, the, not the most ambitious thing, but it was a lot of fun. We just brought, brought together a group uh, once a week to screen different films um, at Byram. Um, I did a lot on the community service side in high school, so I, I led the peer tutor program and um, an interact, which was sort of Rotary and an international high school program. So what do you think some big lessons you learn from those are? Um, that, you know, I guess, you know, one, you, you can get something off the ground if you want to. And that most of what that entails is just sort of, um, you know, kind of nitty gritty blocking and tackling, um, you know, a lot, um, a lot of it, <laughs> get, get, getting, getting anything, either keeping something running or getting something new up and running is a lot of administrative work um, and just sort of a lot of hurting the cat, but you can do it. Yeah. I mean, so you started these clubs. Do you think that, you know, looking back, that was something when you were deciding to become an entrepreneur that you said like, well, you know, I've done something, I've made something from nothing before. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I mean, I'd say even, you know, Probably the one that did that gave me a lot of confidence there in college. Then I started a, um, a mentoring group that worked with first generation college kids um, mm-hmm. on the application pro- on the application process. And you know, we I worked, um, yeah, I worked with a co-founder on that, and we grew the program to like fifty mentor mentee pairs over a couple of years. And um, you know, and that one, you know, that one kind of made me feel like okay, you know, I could, you know, I could put something together. And then you also start to like. Um, my co-founder on that one went to went to a couple startups. Um, her, um, you know, other friends I met at Columbia went to you know went to startups or start different things. And you know, you see different people um, doing these things and people you knew, and you're like, okay, I can probably do that too, or at least give it a whirl. Yeah. So, what did you when you were younger? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um. <laughs> so I don't know. Did you have Mr. Did you ever have Mr. Allen? No, no, I didn't. Um, so one of the things Mr. Allen made you do this is uh, was was make was make you write a letter to yourself seven years post um, post college, um, and post college, wow, mailed, okay, or seven years post high school, sorry, and then he'd <laughs> mail them to you. Um, and so so I've forgotten this, but apparently I in mine I wrote I want to be in law school, um, which was pretty <laughs> funny because because I got it the summer I dropped out of law school, um, so I, I I guess I achieved that one. Um, but I think that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so why did you end up, I, you know, one of my questions I love learning about is, you know, did you ever think about not going to college or did you just assume, you know, I know you were the valedictorian of our class. So obviously it made a lot of sense for you to go to college, but there's a lot of things about entrepreneurship and people dropping out of college, but it seems like you, you got that later in life by dropping out of law school. <laughs> um, that's so sort of why the wimp you, version of it. <laughs> yeah. Why did you, um, why did you drop out of law school? Um, so, you know, so I, my, after my one L summer, I did an internship at Bridgewater. Um, I kind of concluded at that point, I didn't want to practice law. Um, you 
know, we Harvard was just you know constantly throwing events for you to meet up with um, with current practicing lawyers, and it was you know not a huge. Some people really liked it, um, you know, a lot of job dissatisfaction. So after my Wendell summer, I interned at Bridgewater, and um, I liked it there, and I stayed on full time. Um, I never thought or I'm trying to think, did I think about dropping out of college? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I was too, too you know, coming from Westchester, dropping out of college, it felt like uh, <laughs> a pretty bold, a pretty bold yeah, move. Like, did you go straight from? Uh, from college to law school? Yeah, from undergrad to law school, yeah. So when, you know, your your friend at Bridgewater had this idea, but when did you start thinking about entrepreneurship? Because it is, it is still a big risk, you know, not only to drop out of law school, but then to leave your job to start a company. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so I actually did this. So after I left Bridgewater, I traded for a year with a, with, a, with a colleague from Bridgewater. And so I tried this once before. Um, and... Um, and you know we traded for like six months or so and we got a little bit of like you know friends and family capital together but um but that sort of scared me off trading off trading as, as something to do with one one's own time um and in you know that's when i went back to um, i went to work for the columbian diamond for a few years and i guess you know having done something entrepreneurial once and um you know kind of having it be a bit more abundant I was, you know, much more conservative this time in terms. Of I was thinking in terms of thinking through, you know, what were sort of um, minimum, you know, what was sort of minimum viability to do this full time. And uh, you know, the big one for me was raising. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you take dilution when you raise, but a, you know, if you have funding, you know, you can do this for X period of time. And I think even more importantly, it just felt like, um, you know, validation that what we were doing wasn't, um, you know, completely insane. Um, so. We, you know, so we researched, um, then, then started, then started digging kind of Q4 15. Um, most of the work we did was like Q1 16. And then we went out and raised in like April and, you know, the response from investors was just very enthusiastic. And so, you know, that was sort of the thing that gave us the confidence to do this full time. You know, as a first time entrepreneur, how did you manage to make those connections and what were you looking for from the investors? Sure. Um, you know, so I, I've been on the investment side for a few years, so I had like a decent, um, you know, decent sense of the world and, you know, decent set of relationships. Um, the, the thing that was the thing we were looking for, we were talking to a lot of um, consumer focused funds and there was a lot of interest there. But um, but honestly, what's the latest to the group that we ended up working with was they were they were a healthcare group and they were more sophisticated in terms of um you know what it takes to take on to take on a medical device as your product, and so sort of um, you know that background, you know, probably more you know probably more realism about some of the you know opportunities and challenges the business would face. Um, you know, give, give you a tangible one. Um, they brought you know they introduced us to the former chief medical um, officer Bashan Lam, who ended up becoming an investor and an advisor. Um, you know, sort of that that. Um, that familiarity with uh, with the medical space is what you know ultimately swayed us to work with them. Yeah, so I guess that's really interesting. So then, from that though, were you looking for you know you kind of found that investor, but what else were you looking for from the other investors? Like, was it um, someone that had, were you looking at their resumes or like companies they founded, or were you just trying to raise capital and not overthink it? I think, you know, I, I think it was two things. I think it was, you know, having that healthcare, healthcare slash regulatory background and then just like what they were going to be like to work with. Um, mm-hmm. And like, 
you know, we, we just sort of clicked, you know, clicked pretty immediately with our investor group. Um, they were, um, you know, it was, you know, it was clear that they were going to be helpful to the business, but, um, you know, but not sort of try to micromanage it at all. Um, you know, that they were going to be fair with us and that they were just going to be good partners. And honestly, that was the most important thing. You, you know, you're, um, you, or I don't, maybe other startups are different. We end up spending a lot of time with and talking with our investors. And so, um, you know, that's a really important relationship. And it's like any other working relationship you want, you know, people you're going to work well with. And so, you know, exactly. I think I'm curious now about your founder, um, your co-founder. So you met each other at Bridgewater, but how did you know that he was the right person to take such a big risk with? Like, how did you know sure. that your working styles would be together? Were you looking for someone who had maybe things that you were aware that you lacked or vice versa? Um, you know, we'd been, we'd been friends for five years. We'd been living across the street from each other. And then I think, you know, the best dry run on this was, and it's, you know, it's another reason to kind of stay, you know, stay full time somewhere else as long as possible is, um, you know, we had three or four months of kind of, you know, diligencing this idea and working on it together um, before we went out and raised. And so, you know, I, you know, at the start, I knew we were friends and we got along well, but it, we didn't know whether we'd work well together or not, As you know, in addition to that. But, um, you know, but by the time we went out and raised, we'd done enough work together that we were pretty comfortable on that, you know, on that front, too. So why did you decide to be co-CEOs versus, you know, having more one CEO, one COO type traditional path? Yeah, it's, I guess it's funny. So he was at Harry's, which is a co-CEO model. Um, Harry's was founded by War, by one of the co-founders of Warby Parker, which is a co-CEO model. Um, it just... Um, you know, it didn't seem like, you know, it, it, it didn't seem like that, um, it didn't seem like that unnatural a thing to us. And I think, you know, in general, we're, um, we're, you know, sort of very unfocused on title just as an organization and, and, and trying to keep a relatively small, um, small team. Cause I, you know, everybody talks about wanting a flat organization. And I think, um, the easiest way to keep things flat is to keep things pretty small. Um, you know, and I, so I think, you know, part of why I go with co-CEO is, it was just a way to show, um, you know, we just weren't thinking about it that much, um, you know, which is one of the things we kind of want, you know, communicate to the people who we were looking to work with. And so what did your parents say when you told them, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start my own company? Um, you know, <laughs> raising money makes that conversation a lot easier <laughs> also. Um, you know, but... Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, since we'd raised already, they, a, 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 a been pretty heavily telegraphed to them what was coming, um, you know, and, and, and B once, you know, we, once we had the money and we had to go do the work, there wasn't much, much of a choice. So, um, not too much for them to object to. Uh, uh, fair enough. I mean, I think probably less risky when you're like, actually, mom, don't worry. I have funding to back me up. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, the, uh, you know, I mean, the other thing is I'd been very conservative while I was at Columbia about saving. So, you know, it was, both the biz, both the bigger years of runway myself. So it was, you know, so it was a pretty, um, these things are obviously all high risk and, you know, most of these things fail, but we were, you know, I was trying to be um, conscious of that and get set up as conservatively as possible. So what do you think now, you know, think about the way you were raised, lessons your parents instilled in you. And is there anything that really stands out for you that, you know, having a company is like having a child, like the way you have the culture there. Does that reflect anything from your family or how do you make it your own? 
Um, you know, it's it's funny. I think the biggest, in terms of like, you know, culture, probably the biggest impact on me um, was my time on the investment team at Columbia. Um, you know, mostly because it's you know it's a cool seat. You're you're looking across all sorts of spaces, hedge funds and PE and venture capital, and you know you look so broadly from a seat like that, and you see just how much stuff fails. Um, like even when you assemble really smart people um, and, you know, and they're working really hard, most of the time it's going to fail. Um, and so, you know, I'd say, you know, a lot of people, you know, you think startup culture is a stereotype, but, you know, um, a lot of optimism, a lot of, you know, you know, up the yada yada. And if, if anything, I, to the extent we have a, you know, we have a culture, you know, I want people to stay realistic and stay focused on the fact that like, we're trying to do something really hard. Um, you know, we're going to do our, you know, we're going to do our best to succeed, but kind of not to get cocky, not to get, um, you know, not to get complacent that like, you know, that definitely every day we're kind of showing up for an uphill battle and, you know, and that's sort of what we're signing on to do. Do you think that's something that your parents taught you this humility and just kind of like work hard and keep your head down? Um, you know, I think I, I think that's something. Cause I remember you in yeah, high I school, think, I mean, you always, you always worked hard and, and yeah, were very yeah, humble, yeah. even when you were valedictorian oh, of the class. <laughs> oh, shock, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not being like, uh, if anything, you know, maybe it's not coming from founded parents or something like that. It's, you know, coming from professional parents, um, where like, you know, it doesn't, you know, it seems like it seems like something cool to do, but it doesn't seem like, oh, you know, um, it's just the thing that everybody does. And it all, you know, I, you know, and it always works and, you know, and it's just definitely going to work out or something, um, you know, that like, you know, that you're taking real risks, that's cool. Um, but you got to be mindful of sort of what, you're, you know, what you're taking on, what the, you know, what the odds are that you're looking at and, um, you know, and really, you know, and really dig in to do absolutely everything you can to maximize that. So what do you think then the most important quality it has to be successful? Um, um, I'll tell you if this works out. Um, <laughs> I, 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 really, I, I really do. I always say pessimism. No, I mean, I, so maybe then from people that you emulate um, or yeah. companies you strive to be like founder, like what are some themes that you see that successful people have? It's tough because, you know, you go to these, you know, you, what, you know, you, you get it, you have a startup, you get invited to all these things where, you know, where they, where the successful ones are speaking already and they may, you know, and they're always pretty upbeat because it's worked out for them already. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, 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 I think, the, I, I think, um, I, I think sort of pragmatic, you know, pragmatism pragmatism and pessimism probably give you the best odds um because you, you know you because you're just I, I, you're so much more likely to think of you know if, if you're constantly focused on what you're what could go wrong you're you're you know you're so much more likely i think to come up with what you can fix and you can't fix everything and you know and you're you know and it is and it's and it's still hard but like i'll give you a, you know you know i'll give you a um you know, and we're, you know, a tangible example, we're, you know, so obviously we're, we're, we're a e-commerce company. We do a lot of digital marketing, um, a lot of Facebook marketing. Um, you know, we, I just spent hours and hours in, you know, in the Facebook data to see, you know, what our, um, 
what our cost per acquisition is and, you know, sort of at the, you know, pretty, you know, I get pretty too obsessive about it sort of, you know, hourly or daily level. But the truth is, you know, over, you see over a few months that gets rewarded because, you know, if you kind of assume your marketing is going to work out, then you let things run for a week and you go back and see that you're running 40% above budget. That's, you know, 40%, that's a whole week that you lost that you got to average into your total performance. Um, whereas if you're kind of watching it tick by tick, you catch it, you know, the minute a campaign stops working and, you know, and the CPA spikes 50% in that one, you kind of catch it and you turn it down. And um, it's, it's, it's a lot of sort of just like, it's a, it's a, it's a lot more, uh, you know, moment by moment monitoring and assuming that, you know, that the thing's going to break then, um, then kind of, or at least for us, it is, at least for me, it is then, um, you know, kind of grand ideas and, um, and anything fun like that. I wish it were more of that. (laughs) I guess so you're, it's funny because you have this healthy dose of pessimism, but I, I would imagine that you also need to instill, yes, you can be realistic with your company and and your employees, but you also want to exude confidence and people are working for you and they're buying into a vision um, in your case, literally, <laughs> just some contact for you. Uh, I'm such a dork. I see but, what you're doing there. <laughs> but but in reality, you know, how do you how do you balance that pessimism with you know creating a company that people want to believe in that people think is going yeah, to sure, work? Sure, I, I I think you know I think the two kind of go hand in hand because again the you know um, you're you know you're all looking, you're all looking to each other. And it's, it's how much do you know, how much do you trust each other? And, you know, the more reliable you think the other people you are working with, um, the more you're going to trust them, the more you're going to feel good about that work and that you have the best chance of getting the best outcome. Um, and so, you know, if you really see all the people you're working with really sweating the details, then, you know, um, it's just true for anyone on our team. Like, you know, like when I'm working, you know, when I'm working with our CTO, um, you know, he's similarly pretty compulsive and, you know, pretty obsessive about things. And it's like, okay, great. I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about his stuff then because I know he's worrying about it. And so I think like, you know, the weird thing about it is, um, you know, as long as each person's kind of paranoid and worrying about their stuff sort of compulsively, um, a team, a team of compulsive, of, of compulsive warriors, um, you're like more kind, at least maybe the group we've assembled, I think you're more confident at the end of the day because you know that everybody else is sort of, um, you know, going over going over their work over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I think there's sort of a difference in terms of what that feels like at the, you know, individual level versus the team level. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I actually work like that as well. <laughs> much to my, <laughs> much to the hindrance of my sleep patterns, but you know. <laughs> right. It's, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have um, a post-it note by the bed to keep notes when I wake up in the middle of the night. Like, oh, right. And then once I write it down, I can go back to sleep. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a warrior and you're a list maker, um, which it sounds like we both are, um, you know, if once you see that somebody else isn't a list maker, you start making lists for them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, that's not, you know, you, you, you kind of want to know that to the extent anybody's going to be that the people you're collaborating with are, you know, are going to be buttoned up on their stuff. And if yeah. everybody's kind of buttoned up on that, on their stuff, then it like makes for a much more pleasant working environment because not that much, um, you know, you don't have to do that much managing of each other. Um, everybody yeah. sort of just ha- has their thing. They know what their thing is and they're going to be responsible for it and they're going to be sort of, you know, a good person about it. 
definitely. All right. Well, here's some just to end up. We're gonna I'm gonna ask you some fun questions. Um, so, what are some startups that you are obsessed with, or products that you're obsessed with that you find yourself telling people about? Um, you know, or that you use at a B2B level or, or something you use in your personal life? Sure. Um, Zenny Optical. Um, Zenny Optical is amazing. Um, glasses for $10. Um, I, I, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't be saying that with um, ben, Ben's indirect worthy lineage, but um, $10, $10 eyeglasses in the mail. Um, like, Do you still wear glasses? That, that no, no, I wear contacts every day. I was day. like, I hope uh, you wear contacts now. Oh yeah, no, no. I wear Hubble contacts every day, but um, <laughs> but no, no, no. But when you know when we were thinking about affordability and you know what, how much of a difference affordability can make in a consumer's life, then he's a pretty inspiring one because it literally takes a product that costs you know five or six hundred dollars and drops it to ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 haven't achieved that kind of price reduction, but I'm fifty percent ain't bad. But um, yeah. You know, but but it shows you, you know, wow, you can really make a big difference for people. Yeah, definitely. And so if you could interview one founder, who would you most want to interview? This um Larry Page. That's a, that's like a boring answer, but it's true. because um, like so I know, Google because Google, like, I mean, Google's, I'm still not sure what this alphabet thing is. I don't know if, like, they totally know what this alphabet thing is, but I sure I'm curious about it. Um, it. It seems like they're, like, they're thinking through in really interesting ways. You know, most of them seem sort of um, very kind of socially conscious, um, you know, ambitious people, not just for themselves, but for the world. And on the other hand, like, they've decided that they don't want to pursue that through, like, a traditional philanthropic framework. Um, and that just starting more and more companies under their umbrella is the right way to change the world. Um, and so, you know, I, I haven't seen anyone, you have someone like, you know, someone like Elon Musk is certainly very mission driven also in his company, but like, you know, just the idea of having a whole portfolio of kind of companies that are trying to change different things about the world. I haven't seen anybody um, kind of take it on that way. And it'd be interesting to know, you know, why they chose to approach those things that way and, you know, kind of how it's going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. I, I would love to have them on my on my show. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe after I build up some of my publicity. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for you know being on my. Thank you. This show. is fun. Yeah. Bye. episode of 52 founders be sure to check out 52founders.com and follow us on twitter at 52founders to stay up to date i'm your host chrissy costa and i'll see you next week for another episode